Let's get chilly. All right, hello, welcome to episode two of Let's Chill. Uh, we are the official, unofficial Minnesota Windchill podcast. That's right. There may be other unofficial podcasts out there. We are the official, unofficial podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff Novak. I'm Jay Novak. And I'm Kay Novak. And we I'll got with us today uh, uh, Tucker Hoffman. Uh, Tucker, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Tucker. Um, I do the stats for the wind chill. Um, been doing that for the last two years now. Um, got into frisbee back in in high school. Actually, played one year um, at Eastview High School for Zeus, and uh, then I played college at um, Duluth um, Northern Lights, and then I played. Well, I, I've been playing club frisbee, I guess since then so that's kind of my background in in frisbee i've been in the been in the realm for quite a few years now but um yeah now now working with the wind chill so it's been uh it's been a fun ride right on your first your first guest on our podcast what uh what did you play were you a handler were you a cutter or what's your special oh, i was a cutter i was a cutter right for sure nice yeah all right we're going to jump into stall seven here you guys got some questions to ask yeah, yeah, I can just get us started with the uh, question. So, as mentioned, Tucker is the uh, stats guy. So, for all the listeners out there, get ready to hear a lot of talks about stats tonight. Uh, a lot of numbers coming your way. But I thought I'd get us going with something I'm more interested in. Question for you guys. Who is my favorite player on the Minnesota Wind Show? You have seven seconds. Oh, man. Um. Is Six. it Quinn Snyder? It is Quinn Snyder. Okay. You snuck it in there. Yeah, he's he, like Tucker. I'm a cutter myself, so I got to go with the okay. big cutter guy. He's got the flow going a little bit. Like Quinn me, Snyder, so. yeah, he's got great flow. Great cutter. Yep, yep. Good guy, too. Got, re- got respect. It. Nice, he, nice looks, he looks like Charlie well. Kloof, too. Right. You see his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He should be making him, music. Him, Rocco, and Brett Bergmeier all kind of got the same flow going. Yeah. Linehan's and Linehan's rivals mine almost. Right, right. <laughs> All right, I got another question. Um, I'll I'm gonna actually just direct this one to to Kane. Um, Kane of the Windchill in 2022, who played the most points? Dylan DeClerc. No, uh, it was Bevon. Uh, anyone want to guess how many how many points he played? Uh, he um, played. He he hit he hit three hundred on the dot. So holy oh, crap! Yeah, yeah. That, that was Abe, Abe must like have been goal. close behind. Abe, I, I think, Abe, was second. Abe Abe, as well. Yeah, he played a ton of points too. Um, yeah, I went for a D line player because I figured you know we were on on D line so much, so I figured yeah. maybe. A, Abe Abe played two hundred ninety four, so he was right behind Bevon. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. Jay, you got a one final yeah. question here. Yes, I do. I'm going to ask this one to Tucker. Um, Tucker, for the um, Players' Choice Awards this year, what place did Andrew Roy get for Best Handler for the Central Division? Was it first, believe, second, or third? I believe he got second. He did. He did, in fact. Yep. That is correct. Oh, yeah. Wow, didn't even need this. Didn't even need any time at all. He got that one right away. Very nice. I did read that article, yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
Those are always fun. I love the best hair for the Central Division. Do you guys see oh, who yeah. won? Got second place for best hair. Yeah, Cameron Brock. That was great. <laughs> that was great. Classic. I love it. Um, I love it. All right, Jay, I'll let you just kind of take over here. Um, ask away. All right, Tucker. Um, so you talked about the stats you keep for the wind chill. Like, what kind of stats are you keeping? Are you looking at like player stats, team stats? Yeah, are you talking in game when I'm when I'm actively taking the stats or or kind of you know what shows up on the on the web page that the stats that you guys see? Uh, so the in game stats. What are you looking at when you're sure at the games? Yeah, so the in game stats. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty unique app that they have um, us using. Um, basically, when you're on offense, you have a you have a tablet and it's got a mini field um, you know, with the yardage markers on on the field. Um, you know, so every pass, you're tapping a location on the field, like the yardage mark, and then you're tapping the player who caught it and repeat. Um, you know, if a player has a throwaway, you're marking exactly where that throwaway went. So if it's a five-yard dump, you're, you're actively marking, you know, this pass was backwards and you hit throwaway. Or if it's a drop, you select the player that dropped it. So the offensive side of taking stats can be um, tiresome. Um, especially last year with Andrew Roy and Tony Paletto um, kind of leading the handler charge and they were getting, I, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 completions each per game, you know, it can be, uh, can be very fast paced um, on the defensive side. It's luckily a little bit easier. Um, you know, you're, you're only marking blocks. You're keeping, uh, you're keeping um, the clock in mind. Um you got to make sure that's synced up so that it's uh, loading to the website properly. Um, uh, there's Callahan functions, which I got to use, I think, twice this year. I think Abe got Abe got a Callahan. Maybe we got one other one. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, the defensive side is much easier. Um, it's It can be tough, though, when you're switching defense to offense. You know, we get a turn, and they're right into – uh, swinging the disc and, and going upfield and they score in three passes and you, you know, you're still trying to record the block. So um, they're probably not perfect, but I, I, I try my best to, to get the stats to be as accurate as possible. Whoa, that's, that's controversial. They're probably not perfect stats. Who knows if, if Bivon even hit the record this year, then huh? right. <laughs> or, or maybe we're just a lot better than we thought we were, you know? Right. Right. I definitely get players sometimes coming to me, you know, Oh, that was a D. You know, I nicked it with my pinky, and and that was a D. Oh. <laughs> or uh, that should have been a throwaway, not a drop. But uh, they like to give me a hard time about it. But I don't take it too personally. <laughs> but uh, it's it's good banter. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Are you the only one then doing the stats on the sidelines, or do you, you have support at all? Yeah. So each team has one stats person. Mm-hmm. They have a plan to, to add a second uh, statistician per, per team next year, but. Uh, um, I currently be the only one that uh, is doing stats each game. So, it I mean, it's fun. I get to travel the team, and it's good bonding bonding time with the boys and get to know them a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. So, you you mentioned that you played a game with the Chill last year. Who kept stats when you were on the field? I actually trained in uh, Will Brandt. <laughs> nice. Um, he... Let's see. We were on a road trip. Um, I think it was the second day or second game of that road trip. You know, we were down to like 
17 players, I think. Um, and, and Will Brandt was like, I'll do the stats. So um, he stepped in and he picked it up pretty quick. So it was, it was fun, fun to play, play game. Um, yeah. And I got to say, Will Brandt, if you're listening, come talk stats on the podcast with us, man. We'd love to have you sometime. <laughs> yeah. I got a question for you guys. Who on the team has the highest offensive efficiency from the 2022 season? Oh, man. It's, it's got to be... Like, like three Josh big names Clay. come to mind. I'm, I'm going to go with Andrew Roy. That's, that's who I was thinking. I was thinking Roy as well. It is actually myself. No. I, played, <laughs> I played nine points. I had one goal and one assist. So let's go. It doesn't, doesn't really right. count. You know, if they. <laughs> no, nah, nah, you know, you got to give it to yourself, man. Right. Where's the all star jersey? Yeah. You know, <laughs> right, maybe I'll be headed there next year. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, you know, let you like you take these stats and everything. And then, you know, you use them, you show them to us, you give them to the public. But do you have anything else that you're working on? Any other projects you're working on for the wind chill with their stats? Yeah, actually, um, I was working on a project mid-season. I kind of got sidetracked, and um, you know, I'm, I'm planning to pick it up here soon and, and finish the project. But um, something that I, you know, w- was thinking about mid-season is like how our defense is is converting a lot of breaks. They seem to like apply a lot of pressure to these other teams' offenses, and I was trying to get to the root cause of of why is that. You know, is it a depth thing and, and what sort of statistical measure can we find with the data that we record to, to maybe come to a conclusion of why? Um, so I started looking at um, the amount of time our defense was on the field prior to a turn and how, how long they played um, by game to see if uh, the if they play more minutes, does that lead to more breaks over a period of time or, you know, over a quarter or over a half or over an entire game? You know, if we log um, 15 minutes as opposed to 12 minutes in the first half on, on defense and, and they're out on the field longer, you know, how many more breaks does that lead to or how many more break chances does that lead to? Um, so that's one thing that I've been <clears throat> working on. It's a little tough. The data is very raw and, and hard to pull from the, the website. So it's been a project and a process, but something I hope to finish here in the off season and, and um, yeah, maybe, maybe provide some insight um, to the coaching staff and, you know, take a look and, and see why our defense was really that good. Um, but yeah, that was one thing I was working on. Um, I plan to finish here, hopefully before the end of the year. So. All right. So you said you're, you're working on that. That's awesome. Um, is there any like thing you can give us like preliminary? You have any numbers you're looking at, and if and if you do, can you can you tell us those? Or is that that too confidential for us? You know, I don't have any. I don't. I don't have anything um, of value of substance. Um, I do plan in the future to also pull other teams' data and see how the wind will stack up in comparison, and and kind of compare defenses in that sense as well. Is you know, did the wind chill? get this amount of like breaks per minute that your defense played. Um, there's other things I want to look into, but it's, it's pretty time consuming with the way the uh, stats are set up currently, but um, that's, yeah, 
one thing I'm looking into. That's awesome. It's like we're bringing Moneyball. I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with Moneyball from like the Oakland Athletics, we're bringing Moneyball to Ultimate. That's that's pretty sweet. I know um, the Boston Glory, I believe, are doing something similar. Um, I saw on Reddit of all places, um, they had posted something basically they're trying to get like statisticians or, or math enthusiasts to to help them work through some similar stats to basically see if like your red red zone conversion rate and if it's a hammer versus just a backhand stuff like that kind of kind of obscure stuff and like how to how to maximize your efficiency in, in certain situations so that's crazy I, i'm loving that i can't wait to hear hear the outcomes if if there are any you know there are people uh, much more qualified than me that could uh, <laughs> do a lot more with these stats but um yeah i think it'd be interesting to see you know where the defensive stats grow in the future uh, it, they're just so limited right now and you you can't get a met, uh, like a, a solid metric for defensive pressure you know like this dude this guy forced a d or a turn just by merely being close on his guy he may not have hit the disc but but I think those are things that that the league is missing currently that um, could be really intriguing in the future. That's actually I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's one thing I talk about a lot because in my experience playing ultimate, one thing that I pride myself on is when I'm on defense, I make it my goal so that the person I'm guarding doesn't get the disc. Like I don't have that many blocks, but it's because you never throw it to my guy. So that's I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of those things on defense. And I think Minnesota did this really well too, was having such a tight defense on people. So not only did we convert and we had the chances, we also just didn't really give offensive offenses the chance to score. So I think that's that's right. another thing as you said. It's, it's super interesting. Right. Yeah. And and kind of going off that is um like the the pulls that Abe Coffin, you know, had this year, like helped our defense in 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 it like unimaginable ways when an offense starts their offensive possession from 10 yards in their own end zone, as opposed to, you know, at the brick mark, you know, or midfield, um, that's, that's really a game changer. And I think it's, it's overlooked oftentimes. Um, but I think that was a big key to our defensive success this year. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the rules change, you know, cause they had, they had toyed with that, the pole in the all-star game. Um, bringing the pull up, you know, what ten yards or whatever, and and it's like a players like Abe Coffin, they don't even need that rule, but right. not everyone not everyone has Abe on their team to do that. So, yeah, I, I wasn't really a fan of that rule. I think it's kind of an equalizer, and I think mm -hmm. like pulling is kind of like special teams in in football, like kickoff or punt return. You know, it's yeah. it's a huge game changer, and and sometimes you can make big plays out of out of uh you know those scenarios and and not every team has an ape coffin so i think um you know having every team every player being able to pull it to the back of the end zone i don't think is a is a very very good real rule change in my opinion i i like that opinion i agree with that a lot actually um all right moving down the list a little bit um Tucker, how did you think this season went for the windchill? And then, how, first, how did you think it went just from, a, like, you know, watching the team play? And then also, how did it look from a stats perspective? Sure. Um, how did it look? You know, I think early in the season, um, 
you know, I really felt like the buy-in from the guys um, felt like everyone was really excited. Our defense came out hot and um, like our defensive pressure, like I said, was really infectious. And it was guys that like got out there and, and guys on the sideline would see their teammates, you know, putting pressure on the other team and, and that that next D line rolls out and, and they're ready to go and they're putting pressure on the other team. Um, so I think um, in that sense, um, was a lot better than 2021. Um, and I think our depth, um, speaks to that. Um, as far as statistical standings, um, you know, I think surprisingly well, um, I, you know, I think our offense was kind of middle of the pack to, you know, maybe top third of the league. Um, but our defense was, was top of the league, you know, top five, top 10 in, in every statistical category. Um, you know, it, it sucks playing Chicago three times and dropping two of those games. Um, those ones hurt for sure, especially both being at home. Um, and then in the playoffs as well. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I really felt like going into the season, like we had a chance. Like we, we had some good pickups, you know, some younger guys getting better. And I thought like, wow, this is our year. Um, you know, it didn't play out that way, but 2023 is a new year. Um, I think, I think we learned a lot of valuable things from the season, um, and kind of, you know, uh, trying players out in different positions. Um, I think Abe Coffin playing on defense was kind of a shock to a lot of people, including myself. I, I really thought bringing him in, um, you know, we would have played him on offense. You know, I saw him in Dallas playing on offense. When he played club Frisbee, he played on offense. So, um, yeah, seeing him on defense was a shock. But I really thought he excelled on defense. Um, I wish we – I think his stats could – his stat line could have been even higher, honestly. I think, um, you know, with ADL having timeouts and, and the D-line not getting opportunities every time, I think, you know, Abe – had we not called all those time, you know, Abe's defensive stats could have been way higher goals, assists, blocks. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's a good building block and I'm excited for 2023. So yeah, just looking forward. I got a question then. So there was a recent article from the AUDL and, and we talked about it on the last podcast and um, we've, we've kind of always talked about it, but, do you think that's the move um, specifically with the wind chill, but I guess throughout the AUDL is putting these more offensive aligned players on defense now? I mean, do you think we're basically just going to build hybrid lines, like putting Quinn Snyder on defense now? Like, do you think we'll see that more often um, or may maybe not Quinn, but like uh, players like him, right? Who, who sure. they're essential players to the team, but they don't get a lot of play time now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> man. I think you got to have a lot of depth to be able to do that. And obviously New York is, is got that luxury. You know, if you, if you can afford to put Ben Yacht on defense, I mean, you're going to win a lot of games. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, you know, in college, there's always the, the seven best players go play O-line and then the D-line players kind of fill in and, and that's how we ran it. And, um, you know, it worked to a point, um, but if you have the luxury or you have, you have players like, 
like for example, Marco Dregny came in this year. I mean, he didn't play a ton of games. He played four four games maybe, um, but one of them was in uh, against Chicago, I believe. And he played as an O line player, and he's not a flashy player, but he's solid. He's consistent. And if you can put those big athletes on defense and force some more turns, especially on a uh, giant field like that, um, I think um, that can be really valuable to teams. And um, yeah, I mean, we saw it with Ben Yacht and and other teams. And you know, Bevon is a traditional O line player who played defense, and and we made some of those changes this year to generate breaks. And and Bevon is an insane athlete. Um, so. Yeah, having having big bodies on defense is never a bad thing. Having speedy guys on defense never a bad thing. Um, but yeah, you got to make sure your offense is still squared away. You don't want to you know sacrifice the the offensive efficiency to um, you know try and produce breaks on your D line because by the end of the game, you know if you have five or six players that are playing both ways, you know, they're gonna be tired. I mean, I saw times this year um, when Abe or Brian. Uh, Yvonne were, you know, playing, you know, 20, 30 points in a game and and they're exhausted. So yeah, you have to be able to commit a player to either offense or defense and, and pick your spots when you want them to cross over. So, you know, talking about this offense, defensive sort of thing, another question for you is like, which one did better statistically um, when they had the disc, you know? Who gave up the most turnovers? Who scored the most points? You know, what was that percentage? Because we, we we talk about it. We think the defense did fantastic, and we think, you know, but was it better than the offense? Was our offense as good? You know, I think I think our offense took a little time to gel this year. Um, um, part of that I think is maybe you know Josh Klain coming off of injury last year. You know, he had shoulder surgery and and kind of wasn't looking at his self last year. And um, coming into this year, I think we kind of had a handle rotation of four guys. You know, we had um, Klain, Tony Paletto, uh, Will Brandt, and Aroy. And I think sometimes when you mesh too many handlers, um, you know, they're they're rotating and you're, you're playing every – every other O point, And maybe that means you're playing every fifth point in the game. Um, I think it can be tough as a player to, to be a consistent player that, that, you know, you can be. Um, so I think that's what made the offense this year challenging. Um, I mean, I think the defense played it, played outstanding. I mean, I think our break percentage was, was top of the league. I think it was around 36%. Um, I think we led, led New York even, um, and, you know, we know they have Ben Yacht and Antoine Davis on their D-line. So, um, yeah, I think um, our offense found a groove. Um, but I think it's also a, a the style of our handlers are all very different. You know, Tony Paletto is this you know, big throw, big hammer kind of guy. Um, Will Brandt likes to throw the unders. He throws these big rounds. Josh Klain loves to grip it and rip it. And Aroy is a possession handler. He likes to get the, the up lines. He loves to dump swing, you know, his break around backhand. So um, I think they were trying to figure out, you know, maybe their um, how, how they fit with each other, um, I guess. Honestly, that's interesting. I did not think of the chemistry of the handlers. Um, I think it's so easy to 
I mean, I think it, visually it's just more obvious to to see the cutters in action, right? And maybe those those big hooks, but just the chemistry of how the handlers are actually working the disc around the field is like kind of a, a quiet, underrated aspect of the game that, you know, I guess, I don't know, I would not have expected that to be as profound as maybe he would put it. You know? Right. Yeah, and that's just... <clears throat> I feel like something I noticed as a, as a season went along is is these guys are they're all very different, unique handlers, and you know it's not like a DC where you see their handlers and they are possession possession. They are three Andrew Roy's on the field, swinging maybe, the disc, working it up the field. Soon. Right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a. I think it was a work in progress this year. And I think, you know, one more year under our belt um, with these, this core of uh, handlers and, and Josh Klein, one more year healthy. Um, I'm excited. I think the, the squad is looking good and I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, totally. Ken, you got a question or two? I know we're kind of taking the question. Well, not necessarily a question. I just uh, thought it one of those another interesting stats that you can't really record kind of the same thing with defense where if you know if you can't throw to a guy there's how do you record that stat but on offense i feel like handlers really do at the core of ultimate control the game because i mean how many times do we see like big hucks this year and how many times could they have just not done that or taken a dumb pass and so kind of going back to how you said like b Vaughn was on the sideline abe coffin was on the sideline they were all completely exhausted after playing 20, 30 points and like long points, handlers can almost force those long points to happen. They can burn out the defense. So do you think going forward, the wind chill should like focus on extending the amount of time we're on offense because we didn't really get a lot of play time on offense this year. If you look at like percentage of the game, I feel like our D line really was out there twice as much as our O line. So do we need to just start extending these points that we are on O line? Oof. I don't know that you ever want to extend the amount that you're on O-line. I mean, I think you want your, your O-line fresh going into the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, you don't want them sitting on the sideline the entire game. Um, but I think, you know, it wears on their legs too. And and if the handlers are, are controlling the game, I think it, you know, while you may be tiring out the defense, you're also tiring out your own, your own cutters. They're making cut after cut. And, and uh you know, they're, they're cutting their best for you. And, and when they don't get the disc, you know, they may jog back to the stack and, um, you know, kind of be lax, lackadaisical. Um, so I think, you know, if the opportunity is there, definitely, I mean, you want to score, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we were uh, lower in the league on hucks actually and, and hawk percentage for sure. Um, I think that's one area that we can definitely improve in, but um yeah, I think we played a little more possession based, which I think was was fine. Um, one thing that I think was maybe a problem is is our O line defense. You know, when we turned the disc over, and and the other team didn't call a timeout, I think we struggled to to get the disc back or put pressure on people. Um, and I think those scenarios too, you know, wear out your offense when your offense turns the disc over and they play a three minute point where there's no timeout and they're on the field that entire time. And then they have to go back out on the next point or the next point and, and go play offense again. And you're tired. And the next team, is, the other team is, you know, subbing in fresh legs. I think that uh, 
you know, that can really hurt a team. And if that happens early on, I mean, you could be in for a long game. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, if you're not getting the rest, how are you going to be able to to keep moving down? Um, so, okay, I got I got a question that um, Feldman had actually noted that um, Paul Krennic specifically, but he also brought up Marty Adams, and and he kind of threw in Brett Bergmeier kind of as a in the side. The those two slash three players are really kind of set up to be pretty skilled on both sides of the disc. Um, Feldman especially noted how he doesn't really know what to do with with PK. Like, where do you think he fits in on offense, on defense? Especially, let's say, let's say we started the 2022 season all over again. You knew exactly how it was going to play out, and you had a healthy PK. Where would you put him? Man, that's a good question. Um, honestly, going into this year, I think PK was like a a practice player in 2021 and maybe played in, in one or two games, maybe. Um, I can't recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming to this year, I, I didn't know what to expect. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, PK, he's really good. He's really good. You know, he's not this big guy. He's, you know, maybe 5'11", and and he really surprised me. And um, I was like, I'm wow. Sorry, this we're, dude, all, we're all pretty short over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm 5'9 I'm, I'm so. myself. Yeah. <laughs> but PK's a beast. He's a beast on offense. He'll go up with big guys. He'll go, he'll go get the disc. And I think that's super valuable. I mean, he's insanely quick, like Marty Adams, too. Insanely quick. Um, I think PK, this is just my opinion. I I would put him on offense for sure. Um, Marty, I'd put on defense if, if you can, you know, but he's, he's a super solid offensive player, but he just gets some of the most insane layout D's. Yeah. And, the dude gets chest height on these layouts and it's just he like, flies. man, it's, it's crazy. I mean, he's 110 pounds. So of course he doesn't <laughs> hurt when he lands. <laughs> Keeps going. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Bergmeier, I'd keep on defense. That dude, mm. that dude's an awesome defender. He just hustles. So yeah, that's where I put him. Okay. Okay. Do you think, do you think Feldman will, will work with that or the team will, how do you think the 2023 season will go, I guess? Yeah. Um, you too know, soon to tell. It, it is too soon to tell. I, I feel like, you know, the roster is going to be changing. There's definitely players leaving. There might be a few coming. I don't don't know. Nothing's uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing's in ink yet that I'm aware of. But uh, I think, yeah, I think it'll look a little different, though. For sure. Um, okay. I th- but I-, I think our our core will still be there. You know, we'll still have, you know, Clayne and Tony Paletto and Will Brandt and, you know, the, the same same old handlers. And, yep. you know, maybe Nick Vogt comes back. That would be big. Yeah, that would be, that'd be awesome. That would be big. I mean, he's almost a year removed. Well, yep. he will be by the time, you know, first game comes around. Um, that was a pretty serious knee injury, and and you hate to see that happen. Um, but I think having Jimmy Kittleson back mm-hmm. would be big. Kane, I know you noted that in the first first podcast. Um, yeah, losing Jimmy was big. Um, he prevents, you know, he makes matchups easier. Jimmy's, I don't know how tall he is, six three maybe. Yeah. Um, 
output. He is fast. You know, he's like Ben Yacht. He can line up against the Ben Yachts of the other teams and, and take away their deep defender, and he'll come up with those 50-50 balls. And I think losing Jimmy um, made it harder against Chicago specifically because Jimmy can take away, you know, their big, big downfield threats. And, you know, when Jimmy can't do it, it's like, okay, well, now it's Bevon, and now everyone else has to shift up a matchup and go against someone a little bit bigger because Chicago's a bigger team than us. At least they were last year. Um, so I think things like that, like losing players like that, or Colin Barry, who's also a big, big body mm-hmm. defender, also out for majority of the season, you know, and he was having a fantastic start yeah. to the year. I mean, I don't know his stats specifically, whether he had a ton of blocks or a ton of assists, but his, his pressure on defense was huge, and he was a big um, handler on a turn, kind of running the offense for us. Um, Sam Ward missed a lot of time last year and he helped the transition defense. Um, let's see who else am I missing? Oh yeah. Rocco, you know, Rocco broke his wrist. I don't know, eight games in the season and he was huge for us. So I think we're getting a lot of guys back and, and we'll be healthy going into 2023. So I'm excited and, you know, doesn't hurt when Chicago's potentially losing their, their main handler. So um, I think there's a lot of things to be excited for. So, um, yeah, I can't wait. Wait, that might be news to me. I don't know about Kane. Yeah, no, I'm, that, that put a smile on my face I know, me too. That really um, that made my yeah. night. Uh, rumors have it that he's moving out to, to San Diego. He's, Interesting. That's... Uh, so. Okay. So. All right, well, All right. yeah, lots to look forward I mean, to in the 2023 season. They they we'll could see. still fly him in for games, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's a possibility. We'll but... see. That'll be interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so you mentioned, you know, listen to the last podcast and everything. And a big, big point for me, you know, I say defense doesn't win games. The offense does, you know, and those players switching over to from offense to defense, you know, for, or sorry, from being a defensive player to being an offensive player when they get the disc. So let's settle it once and for all stats wise. What wins games, offense or defense? Well, I mean, you got to look at New York. New York just won the championship this year. I mean, I think they had the highest offensive efficiency or offensive hold percentage. I'm not sure which one, maybe both, um, in league history. So it's tough to argue with that. Um, when you see, like, you know, the Windchill or Indy as, as top defensive teams, um, I think the results kind of show that, you know, offense is, you know, if your offense can hold, it's tough to beat you, you know. If they only give you five opportunities in a game and you only convert one of them, you know, it's really tough to beat them. I think a good defense obviously helps. If if you can keep your offense off the field and you can build your team a lead, you know, five-goal lead going into halftime or going into the fourth quarter, um, I think those are huge momentum boosts, obviously, for a team. But, you know, if you can't break an offense, there's not much you can do to, to beat a team. So, I think offense is king, at least right now in the ADL with the size of the field and the level of athleticism and the the throws that these guys have. I think, you know, offense is offense is king right now. All right. I'm, I like that answer. I'm a big fan of that answer. I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> what if what if just what if defense actually wins you games, but all of everybody's defense is just really bad right now? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Nah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, I think we're I think we're wrapping up here. Tucker, really appreciate having you on. Um, it's been great talking to you, getting to know a little bit more about the the inside scoop of of the team from a stats perspective. Yeah, it's really great insights, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I can't wait to listen to more pod more podcasts, and <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited for the season. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Pleasure talking with you. All right. Let's get chilly. <laughs> <laughs>